Let's Do Spurs Cast, episode 531. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining you for this episode is Project Spurs' newest writer, Noah Magaro George. Uh, Noah, how you doing, man? Welcome to to the Spurs Cast. This is your this is your first time being on on this um, on our podcast here, at Project Spurs. Uh, can you give the readers and even the staff, to those of us that listen, um, some, some, you know, some background on you? Yeah, so I'm originally from San Antonio, Texas, uh, born in El Paso, but raised in San Antonio. And I'm a recent graduate of the University of North Texas. I studied broadcast uh, news out there and focused in sports broadcast. Awesome, man. That sounds, that sounds cool. We're glad to have you aboard. Um, so, no, we're going to go to begin. Uh, before I begin this episode, I'm going to uh, do a quick little promotion. Um, for those of you that live in the San Antonio area, you know, San Antonio, Austin, all, all the areas around San Antonio, we're actually having... Um, a Spurs Cast live episode on March 24th here in San Antonio at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. Uh, I'm going to be joined by a co-host, a special co-host, Anthony A. of Energy 94.1. And we're also going to have some really special guests. We're going to have um, uh, actor Jesse Borrego. And we're also going to have New York Times bestselling author Shea Serrano uh, on that day on part of that panel that will do that Spurs Cast live. So again, that's uh, March 24th at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center here in San Antonio from 5 to 7 p.m. If you stay after the podcast that's recorded, uh, we're actually going to uh, show the, the Spurs-Celtics game, so you can actually stay in, and hang out with us for a game as well. So, um, so again, that's for, for those of you that live around San Antonio in the area uh, around San Antonio. So now let's go to get into Spurs cast, uh, episode 531. So, Noah, we're first going to begin by talking about the uh, last three Spurs games um, from, from the last week when I recorded. So the Spurs, you know, after after losing three straight on the road, they've kind of turned turned themselves around here, where they've won three in a row at home in the AT&T Center, where they're very comfortable. Uh, they beat the Detroit Pistons last Wednesday, 105-93. They led by 14 at the, at one point of that game. On Saturday, they played the the Paul George less Oklahoma City Thunder's, and they beat them 116-102. The Spurs led by 19 on that game. Uh, then on Monday, most recently, the Spurs beat the the Denver Nuggets, the number two seed out west. 104-103, the Spurs built a 21-point lead at, at one time, but Denver got hot in the fourth quarter. Uh, they outscored the Spurs 34-19 in the fourth. They made nine out of 14 threes. Jamal Murray specifically made four out of five in the, in the fourth quarter from three. Uh, but the Spurs did hold on uh, to win that game. So, so Noah, what have, what have been your, your takeaways uh, on the Spurs here at home? You know, after, I mean, here at home, where I'm recording, should I say, because I'm in San Antonio, uh, just in the AT&T Center compared to how they were playing on the road. Yeah, definitely they've been playing a lot better at home. I definitely think they are happy to be home. Uh, their defense has been better, especially DeMar DeRozan. I know he's gotten a lot of flack recently for kind of not playing very good defense, but he's been solid at home. And I think the return of Derek White to the lineup has really um, kind of spurred the guys, in a sense, to play better defense. And it's really showing on the court. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, DeRozan, you're right there where, where he does definitely get a, a lot of, um, you know, criticism for his, his lack of defense. Um, and one thing that he's been been really doing well specifically is being really active, just kind of keeping his hands in there, uh, trying to try to make really good decisions on whether or not to help weak side and get a few steals. Um, you know, just like I mentioned, just getting his hands up uh, in, in the area and getting a lot of deflections and steals like that and creating opportunities on the other end. I also think uh, we're going to get into the defense a little bit more here uh, down, down toward uh, – the, the different portion of the podcast, but uh, Jakob Pertl beco- becoming a starter now, that's kind of changed a, a, a bit. Rudy Gay coming off the bench. Uh, and so we'll get into some of the numbers on, on why that's taking place. But for sure, their defense has been there uh, here at home in the AT&T Center, and now it's, it's up to the Spurs to see if they can take that on the road. Uh, however, um, Noah, before we begin with, the, um, with the, the current Spurs team, let's talk about one player who was just released by the team. On Friday, the Spurs 
uh, bought out Pau Gasol's contract to make him eligible to sign with the playoff team. That was the last day he could do it. So Pau, uh, you know, got bought out. He gave up basically two and a half million. It's reported uh, to go sign with the Milwaukee Bucks so he can be on their playoff rotation. Now, this wasn't too shocking, not too surprising. I, I was a little surprised that it happened on the last day. I really felt that they would have just bought him out right after the trade deadline when he didn't get traded. However, uh, you know, they waited till that last day, and apparently they and Powell felt it was best for both sides that he, you know, he wasn't playing here in San Antonio. He, even though he's older, uh, he did want to still play. He wants to get meaningful minutes, um, and apparently the Bucks could give him that. That's something that, that Pop wasn't going to give him over Jakob Pertl, over LaMarcus Aldridge. So now uh, Powell's gone. Some implications of that move um, for this season, it does allow the Spurs to add a player, to bring in a player for the rest of the season. Noah, do you see them adding a player? I know you wrote an article about this a few weeks ago. Do you see anyone in the market that they would add right now with that open spot? Honestly, no, not really. I don't really think that they're going to go chase after a player. I think they're pretty much happy with where the roster is. Plus, the money isn't really there to go get like any, any of the people who are really available. I, I like Milos Teodosic. Um, who the Clippers released. I like him just as a fit. He's a European player. He's a good passer. He's a good shooter. Not a great athlete, but he brings energy on that end. But even him, I really don't see them adding that. You know, they already have enough names on the team, so I really don't think they need to go chase somebody. And in terms of bigs, there's not a lot of names that I, I see out there and I'll go, you know, we must add them and it'll make us better right now. Yeah, and, uh, you know, from in terms of who's in it, who can actually crack Pop's rotation, you're right. There's nobody out there right now that's left who could actually come in, sign a deal, and, and you know actually get meaningful minutes over those core nine players that I've mentioned here on the Spurs cast. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they were to add just an extra body, just for in terms of insurance, like in terms of somebody getting hurt. You know, Derek White's had a, a rough injury injury history here. Rudy Gay as well these last two years. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they go get a guard. I don't think Milos specifically, even though I like Milos as a player. Just because he's he's playing with the Serbian national team right now, and I really feel like it have to be for him to come back over to America to finish out an NBA season. I really feel like it has to be a place where he's going to get a, a real, uh, actual meaningful minutes. And I don't see San Antonio being that place. I could see someone like a, a wing like uh, Malachi Richardson, uh, somebody like like Jody Meeks, just an extra body, you know, Omri Caspi maybe, just just a guy who, in the event that that somebody does get hurt down the line uh, in the rotation, they have an extra body there for that player. But I, I honestly wouldn't also, you know, it wouldn't. Um, shock me if they don't sign anybody uh, to end the playoffs and just go into the playoffs with 14 players and their two uh, two-way players on their contracts. All right, Noah. So some of the implications for Pals, um, you know, getting getting bought out for next season though, uh, for the summer, should I say, is the Spurs are likely going to have a cap hit of about five million for on next season's books. Now they could apply that for full season or they could stretch it out over three years. They have two routes they can go here. Uh, they can go the re-sign Rudy Gay route, and this is the, the smartest uh, route for them to go if they, if they intend to keep the majority of this team together for next season. So the way this route works is you keep Rudy Gay's cap hold, you let all the other free agents go, which are basically Dante Cunningham and uh, Quincy Pondexter. You add the number 18 projected pick and number 19 projected, projected first-round pick. You get a healthy DeJounte Murray back, and then you'd, have, you'd be over the cap, so you'd have basically $9.2 million from the mid-level exception to spend on an outside free agent, like a pretty good role player, somebody like, that's the kind of money they used to get Marco Bellinelli. So that's the first route they can go. The, se- the second route is they can, you know, if they lose Rudy Gay, if, if they don't re-sign him and he signs elsewhere, well, then they're in really, they're a lot of trouble because then they'd only have $5.9 million uh, in salary cap space to try to sign somebody who would not give you Gay's production they, they, they'd also have the $4.7 million room exception, which is a lot less than the MLE. So, again, you're not going to get a really good rotation player that way either. Uh, so, so what do you think about their offseason just initially? I know, I know we'll get into this probably later later on in the summer. 
Yeah, I, I don't really think that they have a lot of flexibility in terms of the cap space, but I think we already kind of knew that. I, I don't see them going the alternate route where they don't re-sign Gay. I just, I, like you said, I think that's the smartest route to go. He's a solid defender. He's really remade his game. He's become really efficient in San Antonio. Uh, I think this year he's 50, 40, you know, 80-something player. That's that's a really efficient player, and you're not going to get somebody like that if you let him go and go chase somebody for, I think you said, $5 million. That's not You're not going to get that kind of production efficiency. Um, yeah, so I think they probably won't make a big splash in free agency, but I wouldn't mind seeing Dante Cunningham or Quincy Pondexter go. They don't really play a lot of minutes. I think they're kind of filler guys, and especially yeah. Dante, they're, they're both energy guys, kind of the kind of guys who you would want to put in the game when your starters aren't giving you the energy, and you go, hey, go show them what, you know, how, to, how it's done for a little bit. So I don't think they're going to chase anybody, though. Yeah, so same here. Um, you know, especially if, if the plan is to just kind of keep the core together, I really don't see an outside world where, where they wouldn't want to try to bring Rudy Gay back uh, to, to this core team and then add DeJounte Murray and, and an MLE player. But we'll see. You know, if they really want to get into real, um, you know, the, the real uh, marquee free agent type names, then they would have to make a lot of different trades to either two, two of their core guys, somebody like Lamarcus or um, Demar, or look at trading multiple rotation players like a Bertans, like a Patty Mills, like a Marco Bellinelli, those kind of names. So I, I really think that if they go the conservative approach and just kind of just keep the majority of this team back, it, it, it deals with the uh, re-signing Rudy Gay. And we'll get into that, you know, as the summer comes along uh, for the Spurs. All right, now let's move on to our third topic, and that is, uh, you know, talking about the defense. You mentioned it earlier, how it's kind of turned around here. It's a small sample size, and we do have to, to say that most of it is at home, but the Spurs have played better defense in their last four games um, uh, lately. So, so some of the numbers I've taken apart, you know, I've looked at their overall defense for the year, and then I've looked at these last four games. I've isolated that. You know, defensive rating, they, overall they're 23rd. However, in these last four, they're second. They're second best. Uh, shots at the rim, a frequency for the opponent, they're third overall, so they do a good job of forcing teams not to take that many shots at the rim. But overall, uh, with Jakob next to LaMarcus now, they're first in that category, only allowing 28%. I think one of the big differences here is uh, rim accuracy. So over, during the season, they're 22nd, allowing 64%. Uh, shoot, teams are shooting 64% at the rim. Right now in these last four games, uh, teams are shooting almost 10% worse, 54%, which is first. So so that's a huge part where you already see the, the length of having two traditional bigs and Marcus and Jakob down there in the paint. They're really taking away from the opponent. Another stat that popped out to me was a free throw rate. Um, you know, over the season, they're a really good free throw uh, de- defensive team, should I say, and not fouling and putting the opponent on the line. Uh, opponents only make 17.5 free throw. Um, uh, the free throw rate is a 17.5, which is second. And, the, and right now during the stretch, they're only making 10.4, which is first. And even even um, Monday's game against Denver, I looked at the box score and I couldn't believe it. It said Denver only took four free throws and, and they made all four, just four, like in the entire game. And I was very surprised. And, it, of course, that was the Spurs um, opponent season low. So some of the big takeaways right now that I, that I wrote down that I've noticed is, uh, for sure, like I just mentioned, Jakob Pertl starting. Now you got, you're, you're they're definitely putting more um, you know size around the rim, not letting teams get in there as much. They're not putting teams at the foul line. It's almost like that Milwaukee Bucks approach. Uh, there was an article recently by a guy um, named Ben Falk from Cleaning the Glass that he wrote about how the Bucks are actually let you take a lot of threes and mid-range jumpers. They just want to make sure that you do not take any rim shots and you do not take any free throw shots. And so it's almost like the Spurs right now in this new format with Jakob uh, are playing that type of approach of, okay, well, we'll let you take a few threes because they're actually their three-point frequency and accuracy actually isn't very good for San Antonio. I'm looking at the numbers here. But – and the mid-range as well for the opponent. However, again, they're walling off the paint, and they are taking, not letting you putting on the free throw line. Um, what have you thought about that type of defensive approach? 
I've really enjoyed watching them play defense over this stretch. I think they have done a really good job protecting the paint, especially you know in the rim and the, at, at the rim they're really doing a good job, like you said, and there's, there's stats to back it up. But I don't really know how sustainable it is. You, you mentioned how the Bucks have sustained it over the season, and I think it's easy because they have a lot of long guys, and even somebody like Giannis, who I know he's listed at six eleven, but that wingspan is huge. He's super mobile. You've got a lot of guys. Even Chris Middleton, he's not very tall, but he has a long wingspan. There's a lot of guys, one through five, uh, on their team in terms of position who they can guard you and they can guard you at the rim. Uh, so I don't know how sustainable it is for the Spurs. You know, they do have a lot of – they do put Patty in there a lot of minutes, and he's a scrappy defender, but he's not long. Uh, Derek White is, I think, not so much long as he is, has good timing. But Podol and, and, and uh, Aldridge up there, I, I do like them but I don't know how sustainable it is as a team. Yeah, and, you know, part of that, too, is is we do have to look at the, the road and, and home, you know, defense. I mean, overall at home, they're actually a good defensive team. They're 13th right now on cleaning the glass, allowing 100, 108 uh, points for 100 possessions. On the road, though, they're 29th, allowing 116.8. So, I mean, this could also just be a case of they're just more comfortable at home. They look like, a, you know, a decent defense at home, and on the road, it's just who knows, everything could just, you know, fall apart again going on the road. Uh, one quote that I, I took from Pop last night at the game was uh, he said, uh, we took away all the easy buckets, and they just drilled it down the stretch. So he was talking again about Denver kind of getting hot in the fourth quarter. He credited his team. He says that even though the Bucks, I mean, the, the Nuggets scored 34 points on them in the fourth, and Jamal Murray, you know, had all those threes, he says that the, he was really proud of how the guys contested well. Denver just made really tough shots, in his opinion, and he thought that, that they guarded a lot of those threes well. So, so again, um, kind of like what you said, um, you know, this could just be, you know, a, a small little sample size. And, and then also you, you, you take into the effect that it, it's at home rather than on, on the road. So, so that is something to watch with the Spurs' defense. And, of course, we'll get to watch it pretty soon here uh, as they go to Atlanta for, their, for another road game where they're terrible on the road uh, on Wednesday. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, next, Noah, Noah, for um, topic number four, let's go ahead and preview some of the Spurs' upcoming games. Um, on Wednesday, they play the Atlanta Hawks uh, on the road, like I mentioned. On the road, the Spurs are 11 and 22 offensively. They are ranked sixth defensively, 29th, like I mentioned earlier. At home, the Hawks are 11 and 19 offensively. They're ranked 26 defensively. At home, they're ranked 28th. Who do you have in this one between the Spurs and the Hawks? Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick up on the Spurs winning this one, but I think it's one of those trap games where you could see the Spurs kind of have a letdown because he's record. But I think one interesting thing to note is Trey Young is averaging 29, 4 and 9 since the all-star break and that's those are my all-star numbers right there and that's someone they're definitely going to have to keep in check and i don't i think if you let him score on you and facilitate like he has been since the all-star break i think that the hawks can you know they could upset the spurs they're playing four since the all-star break so I, I could see the spurs losing but i expect them to win this game okay uh, uh i also forgot to note uh note that uh yaka perto is questionable for this game with the left uh left hamstring soreness is what the spurs announced earlier today on Tuesday that you and I are recording this. Okay, I'm with you actually too. I, I expect the Spurs to win this game. It would not surprise me or shock me if they do lose because we've seen them lose to, to, to bad teams before. We've seen them lose to the Knicks. We've seen them lose to the Bulls. It, it's in their track their, their track record this year. Uh, also, you know, the Hawks, are like you mentioned, they're playing pretty good. They're 4-6 they're and six in the last 10. Um, and and Trey Young, again, has been really good. I, I really like that the Spurs do have a healthy Derek White for that game. So so he's someone I'm really eager to see how he matches up with, with Trey because um, the Spurs' defense out on the perimeter is just so much better when you do have Derek out there. I mean, I mean the, the numbers show it. The eye test shows it. So so that'll be a, a game to watch. So, I, so you and I are both taking the Spurs on Wednesday in Atlanta. Then, Noah, uh, the Spurs have a few days off, and then on Sunday they return home and they, they host the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Bucks 
on the road are where's my numbers here oh sorry they're 23 and 11 offensively they're second on the road and defensively they're also second inside the AT&T center the Spurs are 25 and 7 seventh on offense and 13th on defense um, who do you have in this game between the Spurs and Bucks in San Antonio? Yeah, I think right here you're going to see the Bucks kind of show their pedigree. I know the Spurs have been really good at home, but it's also a game where you have Paul Gasol's first game back at the AT&T Center, and I don't think that's going to affect anything. I don't really see him playing a lot <laughs> or having like a huge game, but I think it's a motivating factor for some of the guys. You know, get you know get Paul the win. It's not like he necessarily went out on bad terms, but you always want to get your new guy a win, especially against the team that he just came from but they're a very deep team they have two all-stars and I think one interesting thing to note is Giannis is actually shooting 40% from a three-point range on two and a half attempts mm. since uh, the all-star break and if he can I don't think that's sustainable really for him either but if you leave him open I think he can knock down some shots and he's dangerous on his own and I don't really see anybody containing him on the Spurs so you're taking Milwaukee I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and have to take Milwaukee on this one Okay, that was that was my approach as well initially, and then I went back and I I just remembered wait the Spurs are actually close in that game in Milwaukee so I went back and looked at the you know the play by play and sure enough with seven minutes left in that game in Milwaukee um, the Spurs actually led by eleven points and, and they kind of just struggled there down the stretch so I think that taking the fact that they're that they're playing really well at home I know I know Milwaukee's just a dominant team like I mentioned even on the road they're they're second on offense and defense I mean they're just so good I'm still going to take San Antonio in this one. Again, it might be more recency bias that I'm seeing the Spurs play well here at the, at the here at home in the AT&T Center. So, so again, I'm putting a lot more so, I guess, on that fact as well. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if the Spurs did lose this one. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take San Antonio, and you're taking Milwaukee. So we'll, we'll differ on that one. Then, uh, Noah, on next Tuesday, you know, a week from today that you and I are recording this, the Spurs are going to travel to Dallas, uh, near where you live, actually. Uh, they're going to play the, the Mavericks. Uh, the Mavericks at home are 21-11. and 11. They're offensively, they're 15th on uh, in Dallas and 20th on defense in Dallas. Who do you have in this one between the Spurs and Mavs? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Spurs on this one. I think it's a pretty easy take. I, again, it's kind of like Atlanta where you can see them losing it if they don't really focus because Dallas is actually a pretty decent uh, home team. But, you know, I've actually had an opportunity to watch the Mavericks quite a bit this season just because they're on TV and I've seen them live a few times this season. And they're actually, you know, a solid team. But I think at this point, you know, after the trade deadline following all the moves, they, they, oh, they have no depth. They have no depth. Luka is still, you know, falling, but he's not he's not really impacting winning. You know, I mean, we saw the moves to the Nets last night, I think, by almost – I think it was 39 points. So, I think the Spurs have a good chance in this one. I mean, the second options here are Jalen Brunson and Tim Hardaway Jr., and I'm not really scared of them. So, it's going to be a Spurs game if they can stay focused. I think it should be a blowout. Okay, uh, you know, the Mavs have actually played the Spurs well both times here in San Antonio. They almost they almost beat San Antonio down the stretch in the fourth. Luka was just amazing that night. Uh, and then in Dallas, the, the Mavs actually led by 19, and the Spurs made a comeback. And that was like the, that's actually the biggest uh, Spurs comeback of the season. So, so on paper, Dallas has actually played them well, but you're right. I just don't think they have the depth anymore. Um, I was looking to see if they have their pick, and they don't. It goes to Atlanta, so I was I was able to say, oh, I was going to say, oh, Dallas is just tanking, but they're not. They they can actually try to win this game, and there's no consequences that is for them. The thing with that though is they could technically retain their pick. Uh, they aren't that bad right now, but their record, they're one and five since the All Star break. They have almost no depth, and their strength of schedule is actually kind of middle of the road. So they may actually end up retaining that. I don't think they will, but they mm-hmm. could. So I mean, they do have a little bit of an incentive to tank. Yeah, so so for sure. So I'm actually taking. I'm like you. I'm taking. I'm taking the Spurs in this game. Uh, I I do feel like San Antonio will will get it together for this for this one in, in Dallas. 
Um, so, so I have the Spurs going three and all these next uh, three, and you have them going two and one. So we'll see how how that shakes out uh, within the within the week. Uh, so just before I close up this episode, Spurs Cast listeners, uh, just a few more um, reminders. If you're on Twitter, please follow Noah. His Twitter account is at n underscore uh, Magaro, M A G A R O. Uh, keep checking out uh, Steven Anderson's statistical analysis after all of the Spurs games. Uh, he has his pieces up each night on Project Spurs. Um, Benjamin Bornstein, if you're into the draft and looking toward the draft, uh, March Madness. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein wrote about Kobe White, a 6'5 guard from North Carolina. So that's up on, on Ben's first prospect watch. Uh, myself, I wrote about uh, how the Spurs are going to move forward um, financially and roster-wise uh, without Pau Gasol now. I wrote that on Monday, so that should be up on Project Spurs. Um, Colin Reed wrote about the other teams in the Spurs' playoff battle. So he talks about the Kings, the Clippers, you know, the Lakers. So, so Colin's latest piece is up. And then Noah, your most recent piece a week ago was about Davis Bertans and Inside the Yard. Can you talk to the readers a little bit about that and the listeners? Yeah, so um, one thing you're going to notice if you actually have been watching the Spurs games is at the start of the year, it was like almost exclusively three-pointers. It was like a 60 to 70% split uh, where he was shooting 70% three-pointers, 30%, uh, you know, twos. But he's actually put the, the ball on the floor a lot, uh, gone to the rim. He's distributed a little bit more, not a whole lot. Um, but it's something that we've seen him progressively do a lot. And I actually highlighted it last night. He took a ball. He had it was, a, it was a three that he probably would have taken earlier in the season, but he instead dribbled, took it to the rim, put up a floater, he missed it. But it's something that is an interesting development in his game. And I think if he could add that to his toolbox, I think he could be really effective with the Spurs. Yeah, and for sure. And that's something that, you know, should the Spurs make the playoffs, which it looks like they, they will, uh, he's going to need that in the plus because, you know, that's what scouting reports you. They just really zone in on, on your strengths and weaknesses, and that's something that they're going to have as a strength for him is outside shooting, obviously. So so, so uh, defenses are really going to try to run him off that line. And if he's comfortable putting on the floor, like you mentioned in that article, and kind of either taking that mid-range jump or moving, keep keep the ball moving, uh, he's just going to make make the Spurs that more that, that much more dangerous on offense, uh, Davis Spurtan. So, so, again, Spurs cast listeners, make sure you check out that piece on Project Spurs by Noah. Um, also, if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. One more reminder of that Spurs cast live. Again, it's Sunday, March 24th at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. Um, co-hosted with me by Anthony A. of Energy 94.1. We will have actor Jesse Borrego on the guest panel and also New York Times bestselling author Shay Serrano from 5 to 7. And then you can stay for that Spurs Celtics game. Lastly, um, thanks again to Mike, Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. Thank you. Have a great day.